Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people evolve as they grow and change? Um, I was talking to a friend and they said something really powerful, which was they said like, if you know the truth about something, like in your core, like everything you do outside of that is a disservice to you and whoever loves you because they're not able to kind of see everything that's like alive in you. Mm. <laughs> Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast for those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla, and today we bring you another episode of Fox Tales, intimate, self-narrated stories of lives that challenge the status quo. Before we get into today's story, a quick heads up that there are two important messages at the end, so be sure to stay on. Now, for today's installment of Fox Tales, we invite you to listen to a story about love, self-discovery, transition, and what happens after years of being in a relationship when one partner reveals that they... Are transgender. According to the Williams Institute, a research center at University of California, which produces reports on the demographics, behaviors, and policy concerns of the LGBTQ community in the United States, over 1.6 million people above the age of 13 identifies as transgender. The number of adults who identify as transgender has remained steady over time, as the estimate number of trans youth has nearly doubled in the recent years. And as the number of Americans identifying as trans rises, so does the discrimination and violence faced by the community, with trans folks being over four times more likely to be victims of violence than cis people. In a 2015 national survey, 98% of respondents shared that they thought about suicide as a result of rejection from home, discrimination and violence in society, and limited access to gender-affirming medical care with 51% of respondents having attempted to end their lives. While these numbers provide the context for the fear and internalized transphobia that keeps many trans people from being honest about who they are, there are many stories of trans joy, acceptance, affirmation, and love. And telling their tale of both fear and love today are... My name is Kabir or Bear Brown. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, and I am... An intimacy coach, where I specialize in masculine embodiment and non-monogamy slash open relationships. And his fiance. My name is Sophia Fifi Mojica, aka known as Fifi. I am a sex positive advocate. I am a champion of Sex positivity all around, I think it's very important. I do that through uh, various means. I am community builder and I am also an intimacy coach alongside Bear, Mr. Bear here. Bear and Fifi's connection started with a sneak peek. I saw Fifi before she saw me like years earlier. Mm-hmm at a party with my ex 
who was my partner at the time, and they had mutual friends, and they were at this party, and I see Fifi, like, and this is when she was, like, 20 and was, like, a rave baby. She had, like, space buns in her hair and, like, the long, like, fuzzy socks and was, like, doing rave girl things, (laughs) dancing in the middle of the like life of the party everyone's looking at her all these things and i and i saw her and i was in an open relationship with my my partner at the time and i remember like making a mental note of seeing that person Mm -hmm. rave baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and being like i want to cross paths with her again and then years later we ended up in the same circle Mm -hmm. and i don't know you you stayed away from me for a little bit because i had a lot of stuff going on yeah, you were bad news for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're... <laughs> like, the ex, like, I was just, like, kind of a messy investment. Emotionally. I was like, he's got a lot of growing to do still. <laughs> I'll come back to him in a little bit, because he's hot. Yeah. So, eventually, like, we started talking a little bit more through our, like, mutual friends, but we didn't have any, like, real conversations. Mm-hmm. And there was a play party that I had been to, which was called submit in brooklyn there was no mm-hmm. cis men allowed it was just like a very trans-centered space it was really awesome and i was like ready to date again and and, and experiment and get out in the world after like having a lull of just kind of taking time to myself mm-hmm. but i wasn't gonna go to this party because both of my exes were going and i was like because the Brooklyn queer scene is like two people and their entire lineage. So <laughs> we have, I was like, no, nah, I can't go. I can't go. I don't want to go to this. And I, I had a poetry show before that party and I invited all my friends, Fifi being one of them. And I was like, I don't want to go to this party. I don't think it's a good idea as badly as I want to go. Cause you were going. But after the performance, she like came up to me and like took one of my cigarettes out of my hand. <laughs> and was like you should come and it didn't really take much convincing i really took it out of your hand yeah you did i just grabbed it yeah i sometimes he tells me things that i've done in the past i'm like who is she wow oh my god very bold very bold <laughs> i had no idea that he wasn't anticipating to go to this party i was plotting my demise (laughs) on him uh, for this event. And then to hear that he wasn't going to be there, I was only going to this play party to fuck him. That was my only reason for going. And then when I heard after his poetry show that he had known that he couldn't attend because his exes were going, I was so confused. I was, I was like, what do you mean? That's no excuse. (laughs) It should be, it should come. (laughs) anyway right right and then i was like you know what that's a great idea you make a valid point i should come so we get into her car and she's in the front seat with our other friend and she just pulls out a hitachi and starts i was trying to send the message yeah and i was like okay she was like, do you mind if I fluff? And I was like, fluff. But see, that? this is something that when he tells me, I'm like, I can't believe I did such a thing. Right. In my car. Yes, in your car in front of my poetry show. So then that ends and we get to the party and yeah. play in front of all of our friends. And our, mm-hmm. our chemistry was pretty immediate. Yeah. And then we just were weird for the first 
year even of our relationship where we didn't really want to like each other as much as we did. We were just kind of like, we both got out of really recent intense, like primary partnership breakups. Yeah. We were just kind of like doing the like high school thing of like, who's going to text first and <laughs> who's going to show that they care more and who's going to like model vulnerability first in this moment. And it was like an agitating little dance, to be <laughs> honest. It was really annoying (laughs) and like I felt like we went slower than most couples overall like at the pace of emotional investment Mm -hmm. we were taking like bite-sized approaches to it so that we didn't get so law I think we both had experience of getting so emerged in love that we were kind of like I don't want to really do that again (laughs) so quickly. (laughs) You're really cool and like so awesome and we're so compatible, but uh, our our guards were definitely up for a little bit. Phoebe was also resistant to get swept away in a relationship. So much so that she showed up to their first one-on-one date with a slut protocols handbook PDF filled with tips for how not to fall in love. One of those handy tips was no sleepovers which they stuck to, for a while at least. So, Fifi, before our first sleepover, Sophia like let me know that she is not a morning person. She does not want to interact with people in the morning. And in my head, I was like, noted. So, like, completely leave you alone in the morning. So she sleeps over, and I took that quite literally. And literally woke up, rolled out of bed, didn't acknowledge her because I just... <laughs> thought she wasn't a morning person and then like i'm making coffee for us so like i want to like talk to her or acknowledge her but i'll make her coffee so she knows that i'm really happy this happened and then she comes out of the room and she's like so when you don't acknowledge me (laughs) after we've like fucked and Mm -hmm. i slept in your bed it Mm -hmm. makes me feel like a prostitute (laughs) and i was like thinking i did the right thing the entire time but I took I, it very I, personally. I yeah. I didn't, you know what? I came in there guns blazing. Like I just opened the the door and I was like, "Oh hell no!" You're this not man like did this. not just wake up right. and <laughs> leave me in this place that I don't know. Because also at that time, I think the whole thing was just very disruptive to my nervous system. The like process of liking someone as much as I like you and this is a big deal Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) yeah we did not know that we were gonna end up where we're at right now in front of (laughs) y'all like (laughs) living together in Brooklyn and I guess we were very resistant if I was resistant to a sleepover moving in together what the no way that wasn't supposed to happen Literally, we're like, we're not going to live together ever. (laughs) But yeah, just from that, like, example of one of the slept protocols, like, no sleepovers. But we were doing this dance of, like, not wanting to fall in love and guarding ourselves, but then also having sleepovers and then miscommunicate. (laughs) Like, it was just, we were making things so much harder on ourselves, I think because of this fear of falling harder for each other. Mm-hmm. But eventually, we, I think we just grew up. 
Like many, Bear and Fifi's relationship was also impacted by COVID. For them, COVID was an unexpected boost for their maturing relationship. We were this couple that was really committed to each other. Like we went to Burning Man together before COVID, like all these things. But I think COVID just created a, we like didn't have escape plans anymore. At that, Like it felt like there was always this element with each other where we had a little bit of a foot out the door, like just mm-hmm. in case, because we're both very disorganized, attached people. <laughs> so there's this element of like, well, because we were carrying these wounds from our past relationships of like getting hurt. And when COVID hit, so much about our authenticity with each other, our vulnerability with each other shifted in a big way. Yeah. Like it became clear to our family that we were in a relationship, which that was, was a, a big deal. As they settled into their relationship closer than ever, Unbeknownst to Fifi, who has always identified as a cis, pansexual, kinky woman, Bear's identity was still evolving. This led to a brave confession. And then I told you that I was trans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I had come out for the first time when I was 20 Mm -hmm. and had like, at the time I didn't have a partner who was supportive. She was transphobic and yes. then i went back in the closet and really did like jedi mind tricks on myself to convince myself that i was like just a proud butch woman <laughs> which which really did work like a stud because like within like black and brown culture masculinity and afads people who are assigned female at birth are is performed in this kind of like hyper masculine way so I fit right in culturally. Like I wasn't, so it was easy to mold into that. Um, and then when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and there was always like this underlying tone of like wishing of like having thoughts, like I know that I would have been happier if I was assigned male at birth. Mm. I know like in whispers and everything I was doing, but for some reason it was really easy to convince myself out of that. And then when COVID hit, when you're just like with yourself, like I spent so much time in solitude. So what, like I had to ask myself, who am I when no one is, when I'm not thinking about the rest of the world? Like, how do I feel? And it was clear as day. I was like, you're a man, you're a man. (laughs) So we like solidified like this component of our relationship of me, like being integrated into a family of this kind of like bond between two women. Mm -hmm. And then very shortly after there's this like reveal that I think what was challenging for you wasn't actually, we're both pansexual and we always have been. Mm -hmm. I think it was how long you felt like I knew and didn't share it with you. That was challenging. Honestly, I think it was, just one specific theory you had, which was something that we shared very early on about trans masculinity mm-hmm. and like the idea that there's something very rooted in misogyny mm-hmm. about it. And it was really solely from that, because I think the story I had known that he had come out to his partner mm-hmm. at one point. 
you definitely minimized it though. I think like in the convincing yourself process, like you almost, you looked back and would kind of make fun of yourself for that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I think the transphobia was so like, it's, it's such a wild, like when we talk about like internalized phobias, Mm -hmm. how it just reads as outward transphobia And I adopted this transphobic mentality because of like trying so hard to convince myself out of it. Yeah. Like the only way I could amputate this thought from myself or this truth from me was to like be so adverse to it. Having a partner at the time, not you, but my ex who kind of like fed me this like turfy lesbian Mm -hmm. idea of trans masculinity and like ingesting that yeah um and then having these really internalized thoughts about like conflict of i know the truth about myself but i need to convince myself out of it because choosing to be quote-unquote choosing to be a man is like this easy way out or this cop-out of like queerness or I'm siding with like my oppressor. Like there was so many elements to it that was so hard to like break away from what I was conditioned about men and women. So, and I I go into this relationship with her carrying this like proud, like honestly turfy, like idea of womanhood. I'm like, I'm going to be as much as I want and not change anything about myself because like radical gender is not having to assign like masculinity to manhood. Um, and all these things and and then i'm like actually i'm a binary trans man <laughs> welcome <laughs> i have been for since i was three years old so, yeah and that was really hard to reconcile with like the things that we kind of do or the harm that we do to ourselves to just not do the kind of hard and brave thing mm-hmm. which was to like pursue you know my authenticity mm-hmm Given Bear's first attempt at coming out in his 20s was so painful, as he was preparing to go through it again, he was, well? Oh, anxious. Yeah. I mean, I had, like, my experience with my ex was super... And I was with that person for, like, four years. It informed so much more than just about, like, my... I just had a bad picker, (laughs) you know, like in terms of feeling like picking people who made me feel like held or safe. I wasn't good at that in the beginning. So bringing this to her felt, I was embarrassed. I think I was embarrassed because I had gone so far to, I wasn't even like a little bit open in our relationship to her about thinking about being a man or curious or even like I didn't give her any inkling you know so there was a lot of um shame around fighting so hard a part of myself and like in turn I felt like I wasted so much of my own time and I didn't feel like I was wasting her time but like I felt like I wasted her sense of the truth for a long time Mm. that she could have known me so much like more like at my root or like more of who I was. And there was so much about our relationship that mirrored more than like me being guarded about that part of myself 
for some reason, like translated as like me being guarded by my family and me being like not being open about my life with her mm-hmm. and kind of having this like almost like wall, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like, like I had like love and person, like all these things, but there was something like missing. It felt like almost. And then when that, when I finally got to tell her that truth, it felt easier to be vulnerable about a lot of other things, but it wasn't easy for you. It was shocking. I think exactly to what you're speaking though. I think, I think feeling like I knew someone, you're obviously the same person. He, <laughs> it's not that you kind of at your core have shifted. I wouldn't be able to remain if I felt like you were anyone other than who you are. That I think that was really all it was for me. It was kind of a, a shocking nervous system reaction where like what does this mean how are we going to change just concern over change just like this is a really big change (laughs) you're going to go into surgery I think like you know find the way that I found out that you were thinking about going on HRT concerned me only a little bit because I found out because we share a YouTube account. So I saw he was watching videos about it when at one point you were pretty adamantly saying you weren't going to pursue it. And then I was like, all right, well, let's buckle up. We're going to go under the knife and we're going to do some stuff. And I have a really cute video of us picking him up from his top surgery Mm -hmm with the Be The Man song from Mulan. (laughs) And I was on, like, heavy anesthesia. I was like, are you my wife? (laughs) That's my best friend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I still was so, like, still trying to convince her not to be afraid of certain things that I knew I was contending with. Like, at first I was like, I'm just going to get top surgery. I'm not going to go on HRT. Like, I don't want that. And um, I was talking to a friend and they said something really powerful, which was they said, like, if you know the truth about something like in your core, everything you do outside of that is a disservice to you and whoever loves you because they're not able to kind of see everything that's like alive in you. Mm. (laughs) Um, So HRT was like always something that like when I was a kid, I always was when, when I envisioned myself growing up, I was like, I'm supposed to have a beard. I'm supposed to. It's not promised, though, from testosterone that I get a beard, <laughs> unfortunately. But this idea of, like, aging and growing up the way that aligned with me. And so I was, yeah, on YouTube looking at HRT videos, like, maybe I could go on a low dose. Why? And then she saw that I was searching them and was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like talk to me about these things so i know what to prepare for or how Um, to help you too and like be a support you know yeah i think you were mourning a lot there was a lot of you saying of like just feeling further from me Mm -hmm. and like there was a lot of you grieving parts of our relationship that made us more i don't know i think like you brought up like you know there was this bond created around Mm mm-hmm women and hating men women (laughs) i think both of those things like the 
the thought mostly, I think in, it was simultaneous. I think it was in kind of like a tethering that happened. Is that the opposite, right? Like detaching that is happening in this process by the sheer nature of the fact that he is entering like a fuller version of himself. And that is his and only his, you know, what he is experiencing in this moment as this person, I can't ever comprehend that. And that you are separate from me now in that manner is you know, I've only gotten to know the depth and the beauty of what that is being with a trans person uh, with time. I think, you know, yeah, at that moment, there was a letting go of him that I had to do for him to breach himself. And that was honestly also a gift to me, too, because I've now had I don't know. I have a new sense of freedom as well. I think I had to be more independent. I think when I thought both of us <laughs> were women at that time, there was almost maybe a entanglement that wasn't serving me. An enmeshment. Yeah. And I'm really grateful, honestly, for our differences now. Mm. In a way that, yes, I think I was mourning that we are no longer the same in that mm. manner where where I feel very, very grateful. I feel far from that mm-hmm. now. And we are like, okay, so we're both Caribbean. We both have like a lot of like woo-woo, like ancestral like beliefs, the way we were raised. So mm-hmm. there was something very immediately familial about our bond. Like upon because we kind of gave it space and we didn't jump like directly into this highly intense, like romantically dense relationship. We took our time, but what we created was this kind of friendship and a and a companionship that was like a sisterhood and like this kind of like queerness of like being raised very similarly of like knowing the same people of like our cultures being really similar to each other and like our upbringing. Mm -hmm. So there was kind of this immediate way of like ride or dive into like, I got Mm -hmm. your back. Like, I don't really know what this relationship is going to look like and it's dynamic. I know that. And there's a lot of space for that. But with that came this kind of like bond that was very like twin flame like <laughs> very attached to each other in this the way, way I describe it I was like I don't feel like I have a choice in the matter right like that here that you are my something feels destined here I I just I see myself building with you I don't see myself ever not building right. with you yeah and but what came with that was this like uh, the enmeshment, the enmeshment. Yeah. And when I kind of stepped into this idea of manhood, that felt that was jarring for you. That was just like, I built trust with you mm-hmm. in yeah. a way that I wouldn't have done, honestly, if you were a man. You know what? And I honestly also, that's part of what I celebrate at that <laughs> you, I think, you know, part of the beauty of being with you through your transition is that in a way that 
at least, you know, it was a gift to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it was fun for you to (laughs) remain in the closet for (laughs) that much longer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe that at all, but for me, (laughs) uh, and for me instead, it was actually, my walls were taken down for the first time. I don't know if I would have been able to find anyone other than you who could, you know, I don't think an experience like that can be replicated Mm -hmm. where we had already reached such a depth. And I mean, perhaps other folks, you know, who stay together through transition, know each other this way, like, you know, from still in the closet to, in the span of the relationship coming out while they're together and then, you know, continuing to live a life together mm. post mm. post transition. The thing I grieved the most was honestly my own ego around not having, not being able to see it. I, <laughs> I was like, this was because we were, we had already reached such a depth of connection. And I'm like, I can't believe I don't understand the trans experience. (laughs) And it's, I I just really humbled me, I think. And part of that was grief was like feeling small. And again, like the, the fact that I cannot fix anything here, I really have to let go. I really have to, just fucking be a cheerleader here. That's the only thing I have to do. Yeah. And so like, it, it, that was hard. That was hard for me because between us, we know who likes to <laughs> make all the, I am, I can be like a little bit of a commanding. She's an officer. alpha. She's an alpha. Yeah. I'm a beta. <laughs> just so we're clear. <laughs> That's what she's trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, I can be a, a little militant at times. So I think that part was what I was grieving. <laughs> and yeah, it brought me closer to him. Though Bear and Fifi were navigating the dynamics of their evolving relationship behind closed doors, as a member of a close sex positive group, their relationship and Bear's transition were being witnessed by their community. I will be honest, in the sex positive scene, it was probably the easiest place to come out. I mean, it was literally like, you look great. Anyways, you know, there wasn't a lot of spectacle, but there wasn't a lot of, and there was a lot of affirmation. They didn't like make a scene about it because it's a sex positive scene. And they were just like, you look happy. I think that yeah. was the coolest thing to hear was not like, and it was only guys who would come up to me like, you look great because men are gay. And <laughs> like Constantly like looking at each other's bodies. But uh, most of what I got was like, you look so happy. You look so much more comfortable. While the sex positive community was the easiest to come out to, for Bear, it was also the hardest place to be fully seen. I think that in the sex, in like relation to sex positivity and the scene and my like bottom dysphoria became very shrill. Mm -hmm. Like it became very hard 
where when I was like very much in this like queer body that was, you know, as, and like living as a butch woman, like being naked in queer spaces or any sex wasn't this thought in my head. Um, and now I have this body that is like very like non-binary, you know, <laughs> and in that way it was really hard to kind of get comfortable again in a, in a trans vessel and, and no one really d- did that on to me as much as like society just kind of does that. But mm-hmm. that was what became harder in sex positive spaces of like feeling relaxed. I think like I stopped, I used to receive pleasure in sex positive spaces in front of people all the time. And then I stopped doing that at play parties. Like I just couldn't. So like in ways that like my life has gotten better, there's, I don't think things got worse necessarily as it made very apparent like that I've had, I've suffered with bottom dysphoria my entire sex life. And what I thought was just kind of like, I thought it was very normal to check out while receiving pleasure. Like I thought that was a very, to like fantasize about something else or fantasize about your body being differently or having a different part. Mm. So that's how I thought that that was how it was supposed to go. Mm. Very present in giving, but like in receiving, there's like this. Uh, um, so when I came out and started to recognize that as bottom dysphoria, like, oh, I'm checking out and thinking of myself in this way because I want this to be a different experience. Mm-hmm. And in sex positive spaces, that was pretty the hardest part. Like, cannot take off my underwear for the, I do not know why. <laughs> um, especially because I'm in a, in a really affirming community. But yeah, it's been interesting. Sex is a big part of who Bear and Fifi are. Their relationship started with them playing at a sex party in front of all their friends. They're active in the sex positive community and they're erotic intimacy coaches. So Bear's transition inevitably had an impact on this essential part of their lives. I think that while I was going through my transition, you were also having this evolution regarding your sexuality as a whole and your relationship to sex overall. Mm -hmm. And so I'm on testosterone, my sex drive is higher, I'm more comfortable in my body. And then I also have this like desire to have like a certain kind of sex as well. And you were veering away from that kind of experience, that binary experience of sex and wanting like a more spiritual, expansive, mm-hmm. tantric kind of rooted version of it. Um, and your sex drive shifted. That's right. Right. Like just wanting to have less erotic intimacy overall. Yeah. I was shifting the way I wanted to engage with it very radically. You were kind of on polar ends of, of a spectrum. It felt like at the time, which is why it was so challenging because he was wanting a version that I was literally retiring from (laughs) at the moment. (laughs) And that's what it was. I was like, I cannot believe this is happening in this moment because I am feeling a metaphysical obligation to enter a new relationship with erotic intimacy that looks very, very different. It's very centered on things that we've actually incorporated and been able to blend with the 
binary or just the conventional sex version. Mm. Yeah. I think we are doing that quite nicely these days. Mm. So, you know, I think time is magic. It can Mm -hmm. really heal, especially, you know, given our connection and everything. I think that we started in this heightened sexual state, like literally Mm -hmm. our relationship took off in a play party where we fucked in front of all of our friends. And that was kind of the crux of our relationship for the first year was our sexual compatibility, Mm -hmm. I think. So it was kind of scary to enter the space where we were no longer sexually compatible. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean for the relationship? What does that mean for like who we are to each other? If we're not on the same alignment with this, this part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And what it taught me was kind of just like how dynamic our relationship is, how like how inherently polyamorous our relationship is. Like, outside of our relationship, yes, like, that's the actual practice practice of polyamory, but our fluidity and our ability to kind of wear different hats Mm -hmm. for each other as friends, as business partners, as fiancés, as chosen family, as there's this kind of, like, consistent commitment to each other regardless of the shape our relationship takes Mm -hmm. and that's what I derived from that it was still like a grieving or a mourning because then the question came of like we can absolutely engage in erotic intimacy the way that you're craving Mm -hmm. but now what about my needs and how I still want to have sex that is affirming for me that feels like full for me and nourishing for me yeah and that was kind of the biggest challenge of like when you're the person who is craving something and the person's boundary is not, is not having that kind of play, you have to honor that and champion that. And also you can't ignore that. That is still something that feels real for you. So Mm -hmm. that was difficult. I think because as a trans person, it was really challenging to find connections that felt fulfilling because of, comfort uh, Mm. honestly like i want to my knee jerk or my instinct is to have the sex that i crave with the person i'm craving it with like the most who is the person i live with or have this this bond with so now it's like how do i create that experience with other partners or strangers or like at a play party (laughs) that feels really hard you know so that was that was challenging Yeah, I think that'll be like kind of a crux. Maybe I'm not sure if we'll ever get to a because the the other side to that coin is how saddened that makes me, you know, unless it changes, who knows that I'll have a relationship to uh, masculinity that I'll always have kind of like a a boundaried sex etiquette around it so that it's, I'm always going to want to make, but that's also why I love our place so much that like it transforms to get queer. I think, and that's happened as a result of you just getting more comfortable in yourself. Mm -hmm. I think like the queerer it is, 
the more fun we both have. Mm. (laughs) And it involves like a lot of different elements too. I think relationship to penetrative play is certainly, you know, shifting as we've introduced new things like buttholes. Playing with buttholes is so fun. And I think like you being so gay. <laughs> That's true. Such that that also changed with my transition. <laughs> my sexuality <laughs> and who I'm attracted to expanded a great deal. Before I was on testosterone or even like thinking about transitioning, I think I'd always been attracted to men or masculinity in general in in a sexual sense, not in the way that I just want to embody it, which was hard to tell, right? Like, you're like, do I want to be him or do I want to sleep? Like, this is this weird question I kept asking myself. And when I was like really young, like the, the first porn that I looked for was gay porn, which was like, I could not make sense of it. Like as at that age, I was kind of like, I don't know why I like this. None of their parts look like mine, but <laughs> this just like makes a lot of sense to me. And I started testosterone and I had heard within like the trans masculine community or people who take tea, the same story over and over again. I started taking tea and now all of a sudden I am so gay. I am <laughs> so attracted to other men and masculine embodied people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not going to happen to me. Like that. <laughs> So, like, two months into testosterone, it has totally shifted my experience or my... I think, like, before T, I was like, I would sleep with a man or engage with a man in that way, but I would never actually seek it out. Mm. Um, and now I'm on grinder and scruff <laughs> and, like super fucking gay it's like really the moral of the story yeah it's such a pleasure to witness while being nesting partners and business partners has become a focus of their multifaceted partnership bear's transition continues to be an important topic day to day i think it's a continuous journey i agree i think different it shifts like different things you know like first it was just like initially transitioning and then we kind of had to tackle like bottom dysphoria within our relationship along with the shift of your, like what you were craving sexually. So that was still like a focal point, like me being trans. I think him being trans will be a continuous experience for the duration of your life because of the world that we live in. So it's going to be something that we're going to continuously acknowledge, I think, not only because we, we do acknowledge it more probably than your typical uh, trans cis couple because we are very public about our life. But, you know, as long as you have to go to the doctor and just exist in the world, it's going to be a part of our lives, your life. Right, which in turn will is a part of your life because mm-hmm. it's a part of mine. Yeah. yeah. Bear decided to go through his transition publicly, which he has mixed feelings about. I think, honestly, I could have done without being so public about my transition. Mm. Um, I think it, it felt like a, obligatory at that point because we had built such a following. 
And like, I, I think this is every trans person's kind of narrative is like, do I want to be seen or like, I want to be seen and held in witness. I don't want to expose myself to harm. Mm-hmm. And as a trans person, like being held and witness also comes at the, the other side of being harmed. So what made it feel right to share my transition really was this like, that we had a lot of queer and trans followers that like me being open about that open like AMAs where people reached out to me about like testosterone and having complex post-traumatic stress disorder because they know I have it. And I'm also on testosterone and I could talk about those and I can share about things that doctors don't talk about like vaginal atrophy. And if you're not going to the gyno once a year, as hard as it is, you have to go if you're on testosterone because this thing that doctors are not talking about can be fatal, you know, when it goes untreated. So it felt like a duty to be honest to like, as a forward facing person in our community mm-hmm. and, and not in like an arrogant way, but more in like people look at to us for education. And so much of our education is rooted in us being authentic, really. Like mm-hmm. what we do is share our experience and what we've derived from our experience. So for me to hide that part felt like doing the community that I wanted to serve a disservice, mm-hmm. but I wasn't excited. <laughs> like <laughs> I hate people so much. I really do. And I really love people. I also really absolutely am disgusted by humanity every day. So like exposing, like, and this is this dance that all of us do, actually, not just trans people, like, expose myself, I want love, and also I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's what being forward-facing is, is, like, I want to give love and educate, I'm also really scared about what people are going to say about my non-monogamy, my yeah, for sure. queerness, my transition, contending with bisexuality has been really difficult, like, to be open about, so... It's complicated, but worth it, I think, Yeah, I would say. And I would say that's the nature of the, so the age of social media, because I think being forward-facing means something completely different than what it used to mean. You know, I think the ability, just the scale can feel kind of scary. And I, and I think for myself, <laughs> you know, I knew, I knew that you're – story was touching a lot of people and it was important. And I'm really grateful that I lost interest in really growing a following because I think that is a true concern, you know, like what happens when you are put, it feels like that's being put in harm's way. So in a way, I think together, what we are really interested in is just building a community. Yeah. Though they've shared parts of their lives publicly to help others find community and support, the reflections and lessons learned have come in the quiet moments. For Bear, it started with the advice from his friend who told him that hiding his truth would do a disservice to him and those who love him and would prevent him from ever feeling fully alive. He learned that evolution includes fluidity. That included fluidity in his sexual attraction and also fluidity in how he sees himself in his role in the world. He has come to more deeply understand that many things can be true at once, that transition can include love and fear, 
anticipation and mourning, connection and distance. And for those going through or supporting a partner through transition, he has advice to share. I would say lovingly detach both partners of like, like the person undergoing a transition of sorts, lovingly detach from their partner's experience of, of what's going to come up for them. Like your partner's allowed to grieve. They're allowed to have their own experience of you changing in some capacity. And for the partner being partner to someone transitioning, detaching yourself from their story, like, what does it mean for you is up for you to decide, right? Like it's not really up for your partner who's transitioning to tell you what it means. So I think creating space for each other and that can mean like taking space and also literally creating space in the relationship for everything um, and focusing on that is really important. I would say like from me learning, like just being as transparent as possible as like you have access to. Mm Mm-hmm is really important because if, if I could have mitigated surprise, I would have, you know, and I think that, but, and then the third thing I'll say is also the partner receiving that, having grace around that and knowing like, if you're not a trans person, you don't know how scary it is to like confront that truth about yourself. So just really that space for everything is kind of like the heart of that, like space for everyone's experience around it. Mm-hmm. And for Fifi, loving Bear through his transition has revealed much about herself that both affirmed and surprised her. Though heavily guarded about her emotions at the beginning of the relationship, Fifi allowed herself to experience a deep level of intimacy with Bear over time, in some part because she felt the bond of sisterhood. As a result of his transition, she has mourned the loss of that kinship, while finding herself more deeply connected to a man than she ever thought she could be. With shifting sexual appetite and desire, she has found that intimacy has increased in other areas of their relationship while opening the door to a more expansive and creative sex life. With all this experience, there were lessons learned. For cis partners of uh, people transitioning, I would suggest going to a support group, just reading an article, just getting out of the brainwave that this is happening to you because it's not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think being in touch with the reality that this is not my experience. And yeah, if I have to grieve more and find the spaces to do that. If their story resonates with you and you're looking for community and a space to connect, you can find Bear and Fifi on Instagram at bear.n.fifi or reach out to them at bear.n.fifi at gmail.com. They offer a host of workshops, including breaking barriers on erotic intimacy. To find out more to register, go onto their website, bearandfifi.com. And for men and masculine embodied people, Bear starting a group to create a container for discussion and, as he would put it, for men to work their shit out. Subscribe to their newsletter to learn about the details. For more episodes like this, show your love by liking this episode, following this podcast, sharing with a friend, and leaving us a comment on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. We're going to be taking a hiatus in August, and we won't be releasing any new episodes that month. However, there are two things that you can do to stay connected to this curious and foxy energy all summer. 
First, again, be sure that you're following this podcast so that you are notified when we are back and have a brand new episode for you. Second, visit our website, wearecuriousfoxes.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive a weekly email with our favorite podcast episodes. We've created mini bundles on jealousy, opening up, sexual play, exploration of self, and some back-to-school goodies. To listen to episodes and read blog posts on those topics, sign up for our newsletter so that these favorites can make it into your inbox each week. While we're on hiatus, we're going to be sharing some Patreon-only content to our patrons. To get access to those extras, visit us at wearecuriousfoxes on patreon.com. If you have show ideas for the fall, give us a call at 646-450-9079 or shoot us an email at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. And finally, you can stay connected to us and other Foxy listeners all summer long through our Facebook group. You can find our private Facebook group by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Curious Fox. Speaking of Facebook, I'm coming to you asking for help. Real, practical, personal help. I've been locked out of my Facebook account for months now. In short, when I try to log in, it's asking me for an authentication code from an app, which I don't have. The login process sends me in circles with no resolution. I've scoured the internet for answers, written to all the emails, and spoken to a bunch of people with no avail. I've been told the only way to resolve this is to somehow talk to someone at Facebook itself. So. I come to you, dear Foxy listeners. Is there anyone out there who can help? I miss being in the Curious Fox Facebook group. I miss the resources I was plugged into through Facebook. I miss birthdays. If you can help with this riddle, please, please, please reach out at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. That's listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who embraces us with all of our expressions. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work, and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. According to the... Oh my god, this is going to be painful. I'm sorry. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who embraces us who embraces oh my god sorry nina i hate that you edited that part it's like our gift to you and then we i screwed up sorry curious fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic we solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story we encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback stay curious friends Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.